Well, good evening, friends. Please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 is found on page 1158 of the Pew Bible. We're continuing in our series in the book of Mark. The last few sermons we have considered Jesus' power over nature, over evil, and over sickness and death. For the demoniac and for the woman and Jairus' daughter, they put their faith in Christ. And we see that Christ responds to their faith. And he does these miraculous works. Well, this evening we see another response to Christ. And that's from his own townspeople in Nazareth. And sadly, they don't put their faith in Christ. And the result is that they don't see Christ's power. Let's read God's word. Mark chapter 6 verses 1 to 6. Listen, this is God's word. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, and brother of James, Josie, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could not do mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Well, a few months ago, you'll remember Pastor Jewel Hart was here, and you may remember him mentioning the song, Surface Pressure, from Disney's Encanto. This is a song that his kids enjoy singing. Well, in our family, it's a different song from Encanto that is most popular. It's the song, We Don't Talk About Bruno. Frequently, I hear my youngest singing this song. Well, the movie Encanto is about the Madrigal family, and each member of this family has a particular gift. For Bruno, the uncle in the movie, he has the gift of prophecy. But his prophecies are not popular. And the result is that his family will not even talk about him. But Bruno is simply speaking the truth to those he loves. It is to prepare them for what was to come. But instead of receiving the warning, those who hear Bruno, they only blame him for bringing disaster. And so he's shunned and ignored. And this sounds somewhat similar to our passage this evening. We also read of rejection. The people will not accept the truth and believe that Jesus is the king. And so they reject him as a result. And so I want you to notice that you're not to reject Jesus, thinking that he is too familiar. Instead, you are are to believe in him. And the result will be that you will see the power of God in your own life. So firstly, recognize that not everyone responds with faith in Christ. In our passage today, we read that Jesus was back in his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he resided in the town of Nazareth before he would later move to the bigger town of Capernaum, 
on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, we're looking forward to going back home tomorrow to see friends and see family. And is that what Jesus is doing in our passage? Is he back to enjoy his mom's cooking or to catch up with friends again or see the changes that's happened in Nazareth since he's last been there? No, we read that he brings his disciples along. This would be kingdom work. The disciples had seen some amazing things recently. They saw how Jesus calmed the storm. They saw him remove a legion of demons from a man in the Gerasenes. They saw him restore a woman who had been suffering from a chronic illness for 12 years and then bring back from the dead this 12-year-old daughter of the synagogue ruler Jairus. And now they were going to minister in Nazareth, the town where Jesus grew up. And if you were ever to expect crowds of people, surely it would be in the town of Nazareth. Now, last year for Lewis's field trip, we visited Old Mill State Park just outside Mitchell, Indiana. And as you drive into Mitchell, you read a sign that says, Welcome to Mitchell, home of Gus Grissom, the second American into space. He is a hometown hero. They have an exhibition about him in the state park. Well, surely Jesus would be a hometown hero too. He draws huge followings. He's doing incredible miracles. You would expect him to get a huge welcome in his hometown, proud of a son of Nazareth. Now, Jesus was going to teach his disciples another lesson in his hometown, that not everyone would put their faith in him. Now, in the previous episodes, We read of people being astonished by Jesus and putting their faith in him. That would not be the case in Nazareth. For Jesus was not coming back to a homecoming parade. Instead, he came with a message. He came with his disciples who clearly believe in his message and that they're following him. And in having followers and having disciples, Jesus is a rabbi, a teacher. And so as a rabbi, he's given the opportunity to speak at the synagogue and to speak at the very synagogue that he grew up in. We're not told what Bible passage he preached on. There is another incident in Luke's gospel where Jesus reads from Isaiah 61 in the synagogue in Nazareth. But most commentators believe that this must be a different incident. They seem to occur at a different time in Jesus' ministry as well as the details of each incident being so different. Now, it's assumed that Luke's visit was much earlier in Jesus' ministry, while while Mark's recording is a return visit. Jesus' first visit didn't go well. The townspeople tried to kill him by throwing him off a cliff. But possibly, now that Jesus' reputation had spread, his miracles were well known throughout the region of Galilee that his hometown would now be ready to receive him. How would the people react to Jesus now? Well, these people, they hear Jesus again, and we read it, they're filled with amazement. Just imagine listening to the preaching of Jesus, how clear it must have been, how he must have opened God's word in a powerful way, how convicting it would be. They must have seen things they'd never seen before. That's why they were astonished. But just as the seed that was sown on the path was quickly removed when the birds came and added up, 
so too in Nazareth. The people were soon distracted from the message, and we see why. So not everyone puts their faith in Christ. Man naturally is at odds with God, and as a result, is not impressed with the things of God. And this was good preparation for the disciples. For after this incident, they would go out and they would preach themselves. They would preach the gospel, but not everyone would respond to their message in faith. And this is preparation for you too. Yes, you are to proclaim the gospel, but not everyone will respond in faith. And yes, you can reconsider how you presented the message, but if they rejected Christ, who would have done it perfectly, realize that they may also reject you and the word that you bring. But you also may be tempted to respond like the people of Nazareth. So let's consider, do not reject Jesus by thinking that he is not special. Verses 2 and 3. So the people are amazed at his teaching, but then they stop being amazed. And they question his authority. They want to know where did he get his teaching from? Who gave him this wisdom? Now, earlier in the book of Mark, we noticed how the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching, for he taught with one who had authority. He did not teach like the religious leaders who relied on others, who would often quote from other well-respected Jewish scholars and rabbis. Jesus didn't do this. And this was clearly noticed in Nazareth too. From our study of Mark's gospel, we know how Jesus can teach like this. The one who has authority over nature, over demons, over sickness and death, well, he also has authority to teach. But notice how Mark seems to emphasize that this was not how the people saw him. When they asked, where did this man get these things? But Jesus is no mere man. He comes with authority because Jesus is God. And they question, what wisdom is this? which is given to him. Now, Paul would later describe wisdom being innate in Jesus. In Colossians 2, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the word. He is wisdom personified. And so he did not receive his wisdom from elsewhere. Now, often preachers who uh, will have been influenced by another preacher or by a school of thought particularly that of the seminary where they attended or the church where they grew up in. But for Jesus, he did not have that, nor did he need that. For as John says in his gospel, in the beginning was the word, and later he writes how the word is full of grace and truth. Jesus, who is wisdom, he has always existed, and in his wisdom he is gracious and he is true. So the people of Nazareth, they recognize that Jesus was able to do mighty works, and they must have heard about his miracles. You can imagine news traveling fast back to his hometown, where people are saying, did you hear what Jesus did? He's able to perform miracles. And so the people of Nazareth, they see that Jesus is no ordinary person, that he is special. But then they cut him down to size. They ask, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Do we not know his brothers and sisters? These remarks were were cutting. You can imagine them saying, Jesus is only a carpenter. 
He made my table in my front room. He fixed my wheelbarrow. He provided me lumber to build my house. He's not qualified to bring a message to me. And remember, he's Mary's son, the one born before Mary married Joseph. We haven't forgotten that scandal. We never did work out who the father was. And don't you go to school with his brother Simon? Isn't your cousin married to his sister? His brother James wasn't up to much. There's nothing special about that family. And so the people, they struggled with Jesus' identity. And this is not surprising when even his own family thought he was mad and tried to bring him back home. And so the result was the people were offended with, with Jesus. It's as if they were saying, we know who you really are. You think you're some big shot preacher. No, you're from Nazareth. You're one of us. You are not special. You had very humble beginnings. Don't think we'll be sucked in by what you have to say. So this was small town mentality where nothing ever changes. And you can imagine them saying there's no way that the Messiah of the world had grown up in our small town and we didn't realize it. And so as a result, they would not listen to the message. I wonder if you've ever done those photo challenges uh, where they zoom up really close to various objects, objects that we use every day, and yet you never notice the microscopic details that these pictures show. Well, that's what's happening here. They're so close to Jesus that they can't see the full picture. They clearly see his humiliation, and they're right. Jesus humbled himself to come into this world. He chose not to live in a palace, but in this backwater town with these people. He came to be like us, and so he emptied himself of his glory. But in his humiliation, they were not able to see that he was also special. They would not accept the authority of Jesus or that he had the power to do these amazing things. And this attitude continues today. Many deny the divinity of Christ. They say he was just an ordinary man. They deny the miracles that he performed. They don't believe in the Immaculate Conception or that he rose from the dead. Now, they're happy to talk about earthly Jesus, about his teaching of loving one another, but they deny him being God. So getting Jesus' identity right is so important. For unless you see that Jesus is special, that he is God, you will also reject him like the people of Nazareth. Well, thirdly, notice it's your pride that leads to unbelief. Verse 6, so the people reject Jesus, and the reason is, is because they think they know better. And growing up with Jesus, they think they know him better than even his disciples. And there is nothing that Jesus could say that would convince them otherwise. They would not listen. They instead had pride in their own reason. No wonder they were offended at Jesus. And in response, Jesus says that a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. That's because the people who know you best are those who grew up with you. They have the best insight into your life. Other people might think wonderful things about you, but it's your family, it's your friends who know you best. They know your weaknesses, they know your frustrations, 
that you're not always as good as you appear. But that can't be the case with Jesus, for Jesus was perfect. Instead, they're overly familiar with Jesus. Now, we are familiar with the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt, and that's what's happening here. Kevin DeYoung rephrases it by saying, familiarity breeds unbelief. And so the pride of the people resulted in them not believing. Just consider, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was standing there right in front of them. But they knew better. And so they were blinded by their pride. Why would they need Jesus in their life? He's no better than me, is what they thought. He's not my savior. He's not a king. He is a Nazarene. And there is nothing royal about him. They were waiting for the Messiah, but there is no way they thought that it could be Jesus. And so they reject him. And they reject him in not the same way as the religious leaders reject Jesus. They tried to trap Jesus. They were too afraid of the crowds to do anything openly. And so they went behind closed doors to uh, plan how they would kill him. Now, the people of Nazareth, they do it openly. These discussions were out in the open. And so, in effect, they're saying that Jesus is a liar. He's not who he says he is. And so they despised him, just as Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by man. Ferguson says they could not tolerate one who had come from among them and yet was so different from them. Well, Jesus continues to be rejected today. What is happening in Nazareth is a continual record of man's natural response to Jesus Christ. He continues to be seen as too ordinary, as not special. A man in his pride does not see how they would how he would need Jesus they simply assume he's a prophet from Israel one with wisdom who had a cause but then was crushed too many people think they know what christianity is without ever looking into it without ever reading the bible without ever investigating it properly and it can happen in church too especially for you children You hear Christianity every week. You're in a privileged position, just like the people of Nazareth. And it can be easy to be overly familiar with it, that you forget just how extraordinary Jesus is. You forget just how incredible his miracles were, that it's not normal for a man to come back to life. So keep reading your Bibles with fresh eyes, not ones that think you know it all. They say pride goes before a fall. Well, pride gives us confidence that we're no longer careful. My parents, you're always careful with your children along the road. Even though it may be a quiet road, you make sure your kids don't play on it. You warn them, stay away from the road. For if they get too confident, if they get too familiar, they forget the dangers and they no longer respect the road. The risk is too great. Well, likewise, in our relationship with God, it must be evident when we come to church. There should be an excitement. There should be a fear as we approach God. The danger is we become overly familiar with God. We take God for granted. We stop examining what it means to know God. We no longer desire to praise and to worship him. 
And sadly, we can think very little of the status of being a child of God. We see something similar in 2 Samuel 6. The Ark of the Covenant was brought back to Jerusalem. And we read of David rejoicing and dancing in the street. But his wife, Michael, was not impressed. She did not think this was a proper way for a king to behave. And David's response was, how could he not celebrate? For it was God who appointed him to be king. And we read that Michael was not able to have children, a judgment from God for her criticism of David's joy before the Lord. Paul Tripp says, what has captured the wonder of our hearts will control the way we live. Well, Michael's heart was captured by the prestige of being a royal. She forgot the one who was even greater than she was, the one who made her queen. Hugh says, we must, we must never let our growing familiarity rob us of the dazzling wonder and demands of our faith. Rather than pride, let's humble ourselves and recognize the privilege of knowing Jesus as our God. Well, fourthly, notice your unbelief leads to not seeing the power of God. The repercussions for the people of Nazareth would be very serious. We read that Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, it wasn't that their unbelief zapped Jesus off his power. Clearly, he still had power. We read he healed a few who came to him in faith. Now, the people of Nazareth, because they rejected the king, well, they would not get to enjoy the kingdom. Jesus' miracles, they point to what the kingdom would be like. There'd be no chaos, there'd be no evil, there'd be no disease, there'd be no death. But because they would not share in this new kingdom life, they would not even get to see a preview of the blessings that are found in the kingdom. When you remove the power of God and rationalize it out, well, you are no longer giving God the credit. The result will be that you will no longer see the power of God in your life. Now, in 1859, Northern Ireland, it's also known as Ulster, was affected by a revival. And the stories are incredible of how thousands of people came to faith in him. There wasn't room in the churches, and so they had to build new churches. And uh, many, even today, you see these churches, and that's, they originate from 1859. But it's also interesting in that while this revival was widespread, there were pockets that were completely unaffected by the revival. Towns that were dominated by liberal Presbyterian churches saw no revival. They denied the power of Christ. They saw him only as a man. And the result was that revival had no impact in these towns. The same thing for Nazareth. And that can happen in your life. If you deny the power of God... If you, not, if you do not believe that God is God, that will impact your life. You will not see your life transformed. You will continue to struggle in your sin, not believing that God has the power to enable you to resist temptation. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. And therefore, you must believe that God is powerful, and you will see him at work in your life. 
As a church, we believe God is powerful. That's why we preach the gospel. We believe God can change dead, hardened sinners to become his children. That's why we're interested in missions, because we believe God is powerful, not just here, but he has a power across the world. He can change people groups from all over this earth. And the challenge is for you to recognize this. For when you do, you will see the power of God at work in your own life. Well, finally, does Christ marvel at your unbelief or does he marvel at your belief? Verse 6. We read that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Now, it didn't come as a surprise to him, but it simply didn't make sense. The people of Nazareth, like all the Jews, are waiting for the Messiah. And in Jesus, they recognized that he taught with authority, they heard of his power, and yet they would not accept him. That's why Jesus marveled, for they had every reason to believe. Instead, they clung on to their unbelief rather than humble themselves before the man that they grew up with. Ferguson writes, they were blind to his identity, deaf to his message, and they hardened their hearts against him. And we never read of Jesus returning to Nazareth. Instead, as we read, he went to other villages. Jesus would not waste his time with these people. He went elsewhere. And while Jesus marveled at their unbelief, we read of Jesus marveling at the belief of one other, that of a Roman centurion. He was a man who refused for Jesus to come with him, but urged Jesus, just say the word and his servant would be healed. In Matthew 8, verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus marveled at this man, for he did not enjoy the privileges of the Jews, and yet he had greater confidence in Christ and in his power. What can that be said of you? Does Jesus marvel at your faith? Or does he marvel at your unbelief? We have more evidence of the power of God than even what Nazareth had. We see the completed work of Christ. We know that he not only lived on this earth and died, but that he rose again, and that he defeated death, and that he is reigning at the right hand of the Father. And so your faith is in the risen Lord. Do not reject Jesus Christ thinking he's too familiar. Instead, believe him and see the power of God at work in your life. Now, the children are drawing a picture for me of the ugly duckling. Hans Christian Andersen wrote the story of the ugly duckling. The little duckling uh, was not impressive. And so was rejected, rejected by its siblings, rejected by the other birds. But later would return this beautiful swan to everyone's surprise. Well, in a similar way with Christ, people rejected him, not seeing him as special. They can't look beyond who he is as a man to see him properly as the Son of God. But one day they will when Christ returns. So do not reject Jesus Christ thinking that he's too familiar. Instead, believe in him and see the power of God at work in your own lives. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ in our life. 
And we pray, Lord, you continue to open our eyes that we would see him in all his glory. Forgive us, Lord, when we become overly familiar and are no longer excited for who he is. Instead, increase our faith in him. And so as a result, that we would see his power at work in our lives. And we pray that he would marvel at our faith in him. And this would only result, this can only be because of your enabling in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn in our psalm book to Psalm 77b. Psalm 77b, in Nazareth, Jesus could not perform miracles, and so as a result, the Nazarenes were left in their unbelief. And for you and I, it's important that we remember the work of God in our life. And this is what the psalmist is doing here. And in doing so, it enables his faith in God to be strengthened. So likewise, as we sing this psalm, remember the work of God in your life, calling you to be his children. Let's stand and sing Psalm 77b.